Hello, and welcome to Better Betting. Here are your hosts, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill, and the ruler of the replays, Eric Rubin. Hey, and welcome to Better Betting. My name is Eric Rubin, and I'm here with my partner, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill. GQ, how be you? Doing good. I have uh, fully recovered from my annual hell week at work where I work a 18 hour shift straight. So that's why I'm glad that you got the Vuk man to uh, sit in for me. So it's always good to hear from, from him. Uh, you're very good uh, handicapper, but uh, we're doing this on Thanksgiving morning. So uh, we're going to go right through and thank you everyone who is actually listening the first couple minutes of this podcast because um, the rule of the replays uh, um, really didn't want to do that. He, he believes our listenership uh, hurts, uh, <laughs> you know, woefully when uh, we do Laurel. I'm not sure why uh, there's horses, capable horses, good pulls, low takeouts, but uh, for some reason, and uh, Laurel's second rate, but I guess when you're from New York, everything else outside of New York is second rate. So thank you for um, joining us this week as we go through the late pick five at Laurel that has big fields. So <sighs> that was a mouthful, Eric. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, 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 hope you're doing well. And happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Thank you very much. And happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Hope you're enjoying your Holiday weekend. Hopefully everyone had a nice long weekend or is having a nice long weekend. Uh, yeah, uh, Laurel, we tend to, well, any of the smaller tracks we do, which I enjoy doing, we tend to get like 25 to maybe 40% lower audience. But honestly, it doesn't matter if one person listens or 5,000 people listen because we're not making money off of this. And we rejected some advertising and uh, we're not doing that, at least not for the short term. We'll see if we keep doing this, if we want to change our mind on that. But for now, we're not. So uh, it really doesn't matter how many people listen, but we do appreciate you guys listening. And we just hope to entertain a little bit uh, with our witty banter, or we think it's witty. It's really not that witty. And uh, maybe some thoughts on handicapping and some betting. So uh, GQ, any uh, any big Thanksgiving Day plans? Yes, I uh, will be heading over to my son and daughter-in-law's. Uh, uh, for a quaint, immediate family uh, uh, Thanksgiving dinner uh, to celebrate my just a couple more days old, uh, two two weeks old grandson. So uh, everybody's going to be there to see the baby and um, enjoy some turkey, Thanksgiving uh, football, and everything else that goes on. Now, uh, people outside of Maryland, will probably think this is disgusting, but um, we grew up uh, in Maryland, a Thanksgiving side dish tradition that we believe in is sauerkraut. So um, do you, does your family or does the New York area have uh, any um, out, outside of stuffing, turkey, all that good stuff, side dishes that are unusual? Uh, not that I know of. Uh, my family doesn't. I don't think New York has anything like that. But <laughs> I, I know sweet potato is my favorite, but I don't think that's a uh, sweet potato pie, whatever you want to call it. But I don't think that's really unusual. Now, there there are some rumors about you, um, you know, as an older miserly man over there that 
you're going to bring to uh, Thanksgiving something from Laurel Park. You're going to stop by Laurel, buy a $3 program so you get a free pie and bring that as your like favors to the uh, to the host there, to your daughter's family there. Is that true? Well, that is untrue. The rumors are false. But yes, uh, Laurel does have a tradition on Thanksgiving uh, that they give away supposedly quote unquote free pie but you have to buy a three dollar program in order to get that free pie but in the past i have seen people who you've never seen at the tracks before they wouldn't know a program from uh a, a people magazine and and here's what laurel does when you go there you, you buy your program they give you a little ticket a coupon to to go and redeem and go get your pie but they don't start giving out the pies until like after the sixth race. So believe it or not, these people just hang out for three hours until they can go redeem them and get their pie. No, GQ is not that desperate for a free pie, but I will be, um, I'm the uh, master of the green bean casserole. So I'll be taking uh green bean casserole to uh, my family's Thanksgiving. All right. Well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. You just show up and eat, right? (laughs) That's all. I'm I'm told not to bring anything. If I get yelled at, if I bring something, so we'll see. Fifty-fifty, I do. But anyway, we'll um, we're gonna jump into the races here uh, for a couple reasons. I have my coaching voice first of all, so I don't know how much it'll last. And secondly, we both have places to go, so we're gonna jump into the late pick five. It's actually a nice little sequence, and I like Laurel, so I tease you about the fact that we do Laurel. But I enjoy betting Laurel. Other than New York, that would be my my other circuit. I just don't like the lower uh, pools. And it's weird because the early pick five tends to get a lot more than the late pick five. Although finally I'm seeing a little bit, the late pick five is catching up. It seems maybe since they switched to Monday, they're actually getting decent pick five pool sizes. I feel just they're getting the same or better than they're getting on the weekend. So uh, I think it makes sense to go against uh, the smaller fish on a Monday or Tuesday, but that's a story for another day. So let's jump into it. It begins Saturday at Laurel, race five. This is a six furlong dirt sprint, claiming event, 16,000 non-winners of two lifetimes. So they're all one furs. And GQ, I will let you start this race. How do you see it playing out? Yeah, I I looked at this and um, there's going to be a kind of a theme uh, for me looking at this sequence. Uh, The Maryland, the Mid-Atlantic has had an early frost. And uh, we've been in the freezing, so the the track I think is going to be a little hard. I could be wrong. So I'm kind of going to lean toward you know early speed. But with that being said, you would think I would land on the eight or Sunday mischief five one morning line because uh, coming off of uh, five uh, turf sprints show. I mean, speed all the way. Uh, I'm not sure if he can go the six furlongs, even though in January broke his maiden, and made special going gate the wire. Uh, but he's not going to be my top choice. My top choice is going to be the seven horse. See if I butcher this name. Superstitio. Would that be the correct pronunciation? Um, sure. Sounds good. Louisiana, you know, superstitious. Uh, a horse that uh, 
was claimed uh, by uh, trainer Kenny Cox last time out. Uh, the horse basically is, you know, has had seconditis um, five times second at 12 tries. Uh, more importantly, five times second out of nine tries at this distance. I like the fact that uh, the horse uh, was facing better company, um, got claimed uh, when he was dropped all the way down, came off a step slow, had a little traffic in that last race for the bottom level, at, at uh, which is the 10,000, uh, nine winners of two got claimed and i like the fact that uh toledo was willing to come back with the new connections and, and ride this horse again so um I'll, I'll be on the seven as my topic superstition and uh hope that maybe uh depending on how my other legs turn out could be a single or i could also use the eight uh thinking lone speed gate the wire if I if I could go deeper, I would throw in the one Hampton Lane. He's a closer. He's another one dropping, dropping down. Uh, I don't see a lot of pace in here, so it might make it tough on him. But the five to one, based on how my other selections in this leg pan out, uh, I could either maybe single the seven or go maybe two to three deep. How about you? All right. Well. Uh, the eight horse is an interesting Sunday mischief because this is a horse who in 10 races has never passed the racehorse. So this horse has to go. And I, I know there's not like a ton of speed on paper, but is this horse going to get the lead? Because if he doesn't, I, I don't think he has much of a shot at a relatively short price. I will say both of us thought he'd be a little shorter on the morning line. You more than me. You thought he'd be like three to one, five to two. I think I said seven to two. So we'll see what the morning line or what the uh, eight horse who's five to one Sunday mission goes off. But um, I don't know. Horse that needs a lead, and if you think he's going to wire the field, uh, meaning anyone out there, not just GQ, then then go for it. But I, I don't know. I just think that might not happen. I guess I lean to the seven two as a as a top pick. So I won't repeat everything you said. Usually, when a horse drops to the level they're at now, and it was like the first time at that lower level, and they don't run great, I don't love them. So. Yeah, he had slight excuse, but there was nothing terrible with the trip. It wasn't that bad a trip. Maybe a little excuse. So I'm like, eh, I don't know. Drop for the first time. But you're getting a, a nice claim by Kenny Cox, who's very good off the claim in limited times. He doesn't take too many horses, and usually he's very successful. And it's really a weak field for this level. I mean, it's a weak, weak field. So I think the seven coming back at the same level, but maybe even against a weaker horses. So that's what I'd lean to. Um, after that, I, I don't even know. The four Katie's notion couldn't be a little tough. Wiring the field in the slot put him a big figure, but again, that was wiring the field with an easy lead in the slot, which often enhances figures. Came back in an allowance race, tough, significantly tougher than this, and didn't do any running. So it drops back down here. I don't love the four, but maybe I would take the four of the eight, I guess, but I don't really love either of the four or the eight. So the seven is the one of the of the favorites I like. And the other horse is taking money on the morning line at least. Or one of the others, the five Addies, Laddie TNT. I don't like it all. I mean, what a cheap maiden race with a perfect trip. And now it's nine to two. I don't get that one. So uh, I'm against the five. I'm going to try and beat the nine and the four, uh, the eight and the four. So I'm basically using the seven and then a bunch of the prices. Um, the one Hamden Lane, who hasn't run great, but is dropping. And that could be significant here for um, 
our friend Brandon Butterfly there. That's his name. It's not really our friend, but <laughs> our our friend's nemesis. And uh, the two believe in rock and roll. Went around really well October 8th. Three back uh, was contesting a hot pace and against better. I was like, that's great. But then dropped October 20th. And the race set up for closers. It may be just the fact that it was a fairly decent pace. And there's a horse who wants to be close. Maybe it was a little too hot for this horse. And therefore, he couldn't get up there. And I tossed the turf race, even though he didn't run terribly. So, I don't know. The two, I think, has a decent shot here. And I think we'll put pressure on the eight, if not be on the lead. So, I'm kind of going seven with the one, two. Um, and then, I might, I mean, maybe I'll like throw in the three just for a bomb. But uh, mostly seven, one, two for me here. Any final thoughts? Um, Just... The fact that Mr. Butterfly's first name is Bryce and not Brandon. Ah, there we go. I knew I'd said it wrong. It sounds bad if I say he's our friend. We didn't stand next to him, though, at Laurel, but I, I want to call him our friend. You know him well. I hate him, and every time he wins, we give a butterfly uh, emoji. So I like him for that. <laughs> um, all right, so this is not a race I would bet uh, just because I don't have a strong – actually, that's not true. I might bet it just because I want to bet against the 4, 5, 8. I don't really have a strong feeling, but I would probably go with the 7 over the 1, 2, 3 – Maybe throwing the six, even though I don't really like the six that much, but mostly seven with the one, two, three, and seven with the one, two, uh, for the most part is how we play this. And I'd probably box the one, two also in some kind of exacto, just in case they both come in. Uh, and that's how I, I see this race. Uh, GQ, I know I asked you already, but any, any thoughts? Other than no, the I'm good. I'm good to move on. All right. So that's our first leg. Second leg is race six. It is a stakes race. I have a few of them. hundred thousand safely kept. It is for three-year-old fillies going seven furlongs on the dirt. So a long sprint for the three-year-old fillies. And in this spot, I don't know. I thought there were like three favorites. And I was like, I don't know if anyone's going to finish ahead of those three favorites. There's only one price horse that I kind of like. But the favorites are not as short a price as I thought. And I'll just run through the three favorites quickly. The eight, divine in any order here, no particular order. The eight, Divine Huntress. Uh, that's Grand Motion, Angel Suarez. This is a horse who hasn't raced since August, but it's coming out of a grade three race against Society, who was all the rage in the um, Breeders' Cup, uh, what's the, the Philly race, whatever, the oh, female race, I forgot what it's called. But um, So Society, this staff. staff, right? Was that the speed horse from uh, yes, that Atlanta was the Parks one that was I didn't first, like? The Chris was like to go, but I don't even think, somebody else took the lead. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't like that horse, I remember saying. But uh, regardless, still a nice horse, I mean, compared to these three-year-old fillies here. So um, the Ryan Hunters ran against a good one. You can almost toss that race. Didn't embarrass herself. Didn't run great. Uh, but before that, Laurel and Restricted Stakes race won that one. And if you look, if you take out the graded stakes races for the eight Divine Huntress, the horse is three for four. And the only loss was as a first-time starter where Grand Motion often needs a race with his horses. And it was in the mud. So... This horse is basically three for three since then, non-graded stakes. So figures to be a major player here. Uh, the nine horse, seven and two. It's, I think, the morning line favorite. Last to leave for Eddie Keneally and Fergal Lynch. Horse who, the wee back, August 14th, and um, Ellis ran a really nice race in a similar stakes race for three-year-old fillies. 100,000, same purse, um, which checked badly at the start. Doesn't say that. Again, there's August 14th race for the nine, last leaf, And there's no head-on. So I couldn't really see it too well, but it looked like he definitely, or she definitely got checked pretty bad. And then comes back in two graded stakes where she's outrun, but running against like Echo Zulu, Wicked Halo. I mean, she's going against much better horses. So this is the horse who I think is is the, the biggest player here, the nine, last leaf. And, you know, if I had a gun to my head, that's who I would think would win. And then the 11 November rain, who's six to one, I thought would be a little shorter. Horse who 
only it looks like good race, bad race, whatever, but three back ran really well in an allowance race. Um, got an 84 buyer at Belmont against older allowance foes. So you like that ran very well first. Must be a monster GQ because first time against older, she won. That's impossible. Yeah. I don't know how that oh, that's gosh. like never happened before in the history hey, the of horse Earth racing. Earth stood still that day. Yeah. <laughs> Earth stood <laughs> still that day. Then uh, August 6th comes back in the grade one test, which she has. I mean, she was 10 to 1. It wasn't the toughest test field, but still. If you remember, Chi-Town Lady came from the back. That was a very hot pace. Hot Peppers was the only horse near the pace to stay on. So I can totally excuse that race. I I, I just toss it. And then came back and ran uh, pretty well. Chased three wide uh, against decent older horses uh, last time and one easy uh, at Aqueduct. Yeah, it was state bread, but those are nice horses who are probably as good or better than these. So um, November rain will be my other pick. So I'm I'm kind of like 9-11, but the 8 is good. So I'm not really giving out the prices. It's like the three chalks. But the only price horse I think has a, a decent shot that would be worth a wager would be the three, Sweet Gracie. Tours two, um, three back, ran pretty well in a restricted allowance race at Laurel. Came back in 100K stakes at Pimlico. Was 42 to one in the race. And if you know, Smash Ticket is a excellent, excellent horse, uh, a sprinter, a very good sprinter. Probably didn't have much chance in that race. Now, Moody Woman was in that race too. And Moody Woman is back here. And I'm just trying to find where Moody Woman is because I can't find Moody Woman because I don't like Moody Woman here for some reason. Uh, Moody Woman was also in that race against Smash Ticket, but saved ground and was like well off the pace. And I thought it was a hot pace. And I thought Moody Woman just kind of sucked up. So if you're like, wait a minute, how can you like Sweet Gracie? When Moody Woman finished well ahead of Sweet Grace, I just thought Sweet Grace had a had a good trip, and um, I'm sorry, Moody Woman had a great trip, and the and the three uh, didn't necessarily have a bad trip, but at least tried to show some life. I, I just tossed that race. Then comes back on Maryland Million Day and runs against Filet Despree. I messed up the name, or Fee Despree, whatever it is. Sorry, who we have talked about a lot on this show and we like very much, and ran a very nice third, had a wide trip against pretty good horses. Uh, who are better than these, they're older horses. So I think Sweet Gracie, who also only lost by a nose to Divine Huntress, I think this horse has an outside shot, and this is a, a closer. So if you see some pace in the race, the two has some pace, um, maybe the one has a little pace, possibly the six. I mean, there's not a ton of pace, but there's possibly some pace. The 11, maybe November Rain can go. Uh, the 13, Vibrant Judy, maybe. So not like a ton of pace, but a lot of horses who have some speed. So if there's going to be any kind of speed duel, I think Sweet Gracie has a decent shot here. And if I was a betting person, which I guess I am, the way I would probably play this race is to try and get Sweet Gracie in the number more for second and third. So I would go like, you know, Sweet Gracie under the 9, 11, maybe even the 8 uh, in exact. I, I box three with 8, 9, 11. I know it's a three chalk, so maybe it's not the smartest thing, but I don't see anyone else here. So I'd go with those three. And then I'd do triples with, the 8, 9, 11 with the 3 with 8, 9, 11. Maybe the 8, 9, 11, 8, 9, 11 with the 3. And then kind of knock out the 8 a little and just go 9, 11 with the 3 for some extra money and things like that. So I, I kind of key around the 3 here, sweet Gracie, and hope to get a little bit of a pace. GQ, your turn. Here, here's an opportunity. I know it's late in the year. and these are This is a race restricted to 3-year-olds, but... You know, on the surface, you're looking at horses. Oh, this one ran in a grade two and whatever. You got to look to see if those races were also restricted to three-year-olds, whereas maybe some of these horses that were running in, in like nine winners or two other than, they're running against older. So, and that's that, that's huge as far as I'm concerned. I mean, so you 
just kind of have to look through the PPs. There's plenty of them who have been running against Oliver, but obviously maybe they've been against non-winners of one other than. I mean, here's an example, the one horse sway and throw. I mean, run it, he's been running against Older. You see some of those uh, races, three back at Pimlico was restricted to three-year-olds, and then four back, that was restrict that was not restricted to three year olds, but it was restricted to like Maryland bred, Maryland sired. Uh, so these are the ones that you kind of have to look at. Sway and throw four out of five uh, trips to the winter circle when running at Laurel. So there's a horse for for the course. You know, I I'm not going to tout any one particular horse. I'm just touting how someone should be handicapping and looking for horses just don't go by the speed figures just don't go by the fact oh they're coming off of a grade two or whatever you have to really dig down and be aware that were they against just three-year-olds or were they running against elders and especially if they were running against elders you know back in the summertime or whatever when they're still developing so i'm just going to leave it at that i'm not i'm not throwing out anybody who i think you know, has a shot here. That's just my pointer for this race. All right. Let's move on. We will move on to race number seven. So race seven is another three-year-old stakes race. This one is for the boys, $100,000, seven furlongs on the dirt, and another really, really big field, another 13-horse field here. And this race is where my Saturday and perhaps my month of November will be decided because – I like a horse or two here, and I'm a little surprised to see the morning line. I didn't think the horse was going to be very short, but I didn't think the horse would be 20 to 1 in the morning line. So I'll just start it off. Um, the horse I like the most here is the one Steinbeck. I was going to come up with some Steinbeck reference, but I only know Grapes of Wrath, so I didn't know what to say. Of mice and, was, and men? Of mice and men. There we go. Well, anyway, Steinbeck. Why do I like this horse? Two back, grade three. Bold ruler up here in New York, where I am. Chased three wide, led like slightly at the top of the stretch, and it was a fast pace that kind of collapsed a little bit. I thought it aided closers the race. So made it chase wide. So it was up on a pace, got the lead early in the race, like top of the stretch, meaning early, not the wire, obviously, against better. So when you chase wide, you up on the pace in the stretch and first in the stretch and that hot pace against better horses, that's a great, great sign. Uh, to me, that's like a, a, a big, big upgrade. So the question is, what the hell happened next race? November 12th goes to Churchill. Well, horse was 42 to 1 coming out of that race. So I don't really know that field in Churchill too low. But for this horse to be 42 to 1, I got to think that was a monster field. That's number one. And number two, it was sloppy, seal a track. For, um, the horse is 0 for 2 on a sloppy track or wet track. I don't. I could go back on the formulator, I guess. Um, actually, it should be on here. I don't see another wet track. It only has, oh, it's off the screen here. Anyway, which it was, got below a 60 buyer because 60 was the highest. So didn't run very well on a wet track before. So I can excuse, listen, the horse was 43 to 1, 42 to 1. So I can excuse that last race. So if you go back to, I really like that race. Again, maybe just a long shot, had a lucky race, and that's the end of it. But has had a race or two in the past that are pretty good. So I'm three-year-old. Obviously, they're all three-year-olds. I just think Steinbeck has a big chance here. Has speed. 
doesn't need the lead, can come off the pace if he needs to, so can sit like a perfect trip. I'm a big J.D. Acosta fan, even though he's a little cold here. So I am all over the one Steinbeck at 20 to 1, and I don't usually like giving out horses. That's not why we do the show, but that's my uh, my horse for this race. And my second choice is also double digits, and that's the 12-horse twisted ride for, I assume, that's Santiago Gonzalez, who rides maybe in Pennsylvania, I'm assuming, Parks. It's a Parks uh, trainer, Michael Moore. And I thought, what's that? I'm sorry? Sylvestri Gonzalez. Oh, see, I don't even You're know. You're butchering first names today. I'm butchering them. Well, this one I had no clue. The other one I should have known. Bryson, I should have known. Anyway. So, Sylvester is a parks job. Thank you very much. I, I assume, but was not 100% sure. So thank you. Uh, October 12th, two races back for the 12. That was a monster closer setup. It was a uh, very contested pace and followed a two to one shot who finished fourth of five, but, you know, fairly well back and um, began a duel, oh, began a duel on the back stretch. So it was really like sat off that horse and dueled that, that horse on the back stretch. So got a, a duel with a two to one shot and finished towards the back with him uh, and it set up for closer big time. So that was a really impressive race. And it's not against as good a field, but it was against all the horses. So you'll like that. Comes back last race at Park, six furlongs. And was chasing a one to five shot Uncle Ernie, who I've heard of, but I didn't really do the research to see who he is because I don't care that much. The fact the horse was one to five and had a fairly easy lead, the horse Uncle Ernie was not going to be caught. So I don't mind that this horse didn't catch him. Didn't really make up ground at all, lost ground, but that's to be expected in that uh, race the way it set up. But didn't get caught by anyone else and was three clear of the next horse. So again, I don't know other than Uncle Ernie what was in that race, but I, I thought it ran pretty well, ran great two back. Uh, this horse has a big shot, I think. So I'm on the one and the 12 here. I mean, I might just single the one, but I hate to leave out the 12 also. So I might have to go too deep. And one thing I will say about this race, there is a ton of speed on paper in this race. Besides the one Steinbeck, who I think can, and I hope will sit off the pace. The two is like not a need to lead per se, per se but go to the lead. And these are horses that go to the lead five and a half, six for a long. So stretching out, you would think they show a lot of speed. The three is pretty much a go to the lead horse, Uncle Buddy. Uh, you have... I mean, the six has some, actually, no, the six is cutting back. The seven, Al loves Josie, is a big speed ball. The nine, Little Vic, is a huge speed ball. And the 12, my 12 horse is actually a speed ball. That's what scares me about the 12. But I'm thinking the horse can sit off the pace. Has done that in the past, like in the debut and uh, one other time. So that's what scares me about the 12, too much speed in the race. But I think the horse can sit. We'll see. So you have a ton of speed without scratches. And I think I'm hoping that plays in the Steinbeck's hands and can sit, but not have to come from the clouds. I would upgrade a lot of closers though. If I was if I was adding horses, I would just look at any decent closer here. Um, and, and the decent closers I would throw in would be horses like the four, uh, the six. I think shortening up can come off the pace. So you got four, you got six. Uh, who else did I write? Eight, eleven, and ten, eight, eleven. So that's a lot of horses. But four, six, eight, ten, eleven. Those are horses I would use with the one kind of uh, in, in uh, triples and supers and try and leave out all the speed horses and hope this pace falls apart. But really king the one here and likely single the one in the pick five, which gives me a lot of leeway to use like the three chalks last race because I'm doing something pretty, um, I don't know, bold here, I guess. And I want to work in the 12, but I'm not sure if I can in the pick five. GQ, I got for a while. Why don't you take it away on thoughts on either the pace or whatever you like here? All right. Okay, again, just like last race, this is, 
restricted to three-year-olds, and many of these have run against older. And another thing you had mentioned, I mean, there's a lot of speed in this race. You know, when, when we say that, that, you know, one horse jumps out to a three-length lead and just goes gate to wire. So, but as far as, it, you know, horses coming off the pace, I kind of landed on the 11 Nimitz class. Uh, I don't care to back, you know, Penn National type horses. <laughs> Uh, uh, because it's definitely, you know, we, we've mentioned in the past, the, the speed ratings, you know, the speed figures at 10 seem a bit inflated compared to the bigger tracks. But uh, Bruce Kravitz has been training for quite a while, and he rarely will bring horses to Maryland unless they have a shot. And he's 0 for 1 uh, at Laurel, and that race was back in July in the $100,000 restricted to three-year-olds concern, which the horse in a five-horse field ran second at nearly seven to one. So in a five-horse field at seven to one, um, you know, he was very, uh, you know, was not backed. So Kravitz brings him back here against a very speed-heavy field. And I'm just hoping that, Angel Rodriguez recognizes that and uh, rides the horse that way. I mean, coming off a distance race, even though it was over a month ago, hopefully he won't hustle the horse out. And the only reason why the horse kind of showed a closing kick back at Laurel and the only other time the horse ran here was kind of stumbled uh, and you know, did, didn't have an opportunity to try to go complete. So long-winded uh, excuse for liking five to one, the 11 Nimitz class is maybe he can take advantage of a solid pace up front and uh, pick up the pieces late. So uh, the five Nimitz class, I'm not, I'm sorry, not the five Nimitz class. <laughs> the, the 11 Nimitz class would be my top pick outside of that. I like, uh, I, I'm going kind of chalk on the five horse radical right, seven to two morning line, two for two at Laurel, continue to step up at class, and another one who uh, will be coming from off the pace. So uh, I'm I'm leaning on a pace meltdown for, for this race. Yeah, and the five's tricky for me because usually I, I always downgrade horses um, that come off a great setup. He's had two amazing setups. You can just see by the times there, he's 44. Um, and one 44 and four, those are insane cases. And the race has played out like that for the most part. They favor closers and had great trips, but could get one again. So maybe there's a race to kind of sit out if I was betting and wait and bet against that horse next time because I'll get a good setup. But I'm not going to sit out because I do love the one. I'm just afraid of the five um, at a short price. But I'm not going to use helping those great setups, even though you might get one again. Don't come to Russian. It's actually, if I'm using 21, I might throw in the five and like triples and supers and stuff, but I'm really going to key around the one here. And if it matters, Bruce Kravitz is uh, 0 for 13 at Laurel with one second, zero first, zero third. So I, again, it's a small sample. I don't really care about stats, but for those who do, you know, if you're someone, oh, he's coming, he rarely comes. And, you know, it's not like he's done very well there, but yeah, listen, he's capable. Should sit up the, I'm not against your 11. I don't love the 11, but I said, I would use that horse as one of the closers, even though I'm king around the one. So we move on to race eight, the Richard Small 
100K stakes. It is a mile and an eighth on the dirt. I think it's all on the dirt, no more turf, at least not in this sequence. I don't know if they're done on the turf. I probably should. I think they are, but probably should know that. Uh, I'm a little distracted. I'm sorry. I'm watching uh, Worlds. That's all right. Well, you, you can watch that race, and I'll throw out a question right. to you. Do you know who Richard Small is? Hey, he was, was a trainer there, I'm pretty sure, but I don't Very know that good. much. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He, was, he was actually the trainer of uh, Broad Brush and, and um, you know, one of Broad Brush's off, uh, offspring um, concern. So, yeah. He was, it's funny, Richard Small was a trainer who you knew his horses. He never he never trained speed, early speed into his horses. He his horses always had great closing kicks. I don't know how, what type of training method he had, but you knew his horses. You would never bet his horses because they never had early speed and got into hmm. a duel where they faded and you could bet them coming back. Um they were they were always usually deep closers. So that's that's your little history lesson on Richard Small. Thank uh, you. And uh, the race is over. We're talking about the first race, <laughs> Laurel, and I'm shocked because they must have plans on Thanksgiving. I don't think Laurel's ever actually gone off at their post time. But 11.25, they were in the gate opening the doors. So they, I thought I had another like 10 minutes to the race. And, of course, why study at Laurel when you can just bet Jamie Ness horses off the claim because they magically improved 20 points. It's a Navarro-like performance. And uh, the horse wins by a whisker, I think. Although it's a photo, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I got it. So uh, the three, Giordani. You don't have to study. It's, it's crazy. You just bet Ness off the claim. And Anyway, I don't want to get in trouble, so I won't make any comments. If you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? Isn't that what uh, yep. your mama told us? But we were taught, yeah. Yep. All right, so let's go to race eight. The Richard Smalls, the mile and eight, we said on the dirt. And GQ's favorite horse, Cordmaker, is in the race. And GQ, I'm going to start by asking you a question about Cordmaker. So Cordmaker, for those who don't follow Maryland Racing, is a really cool horse, has been racing for what seems like 42 years in Maryland and always wins or is competitive in these stakes races and does really, really well. Gets high speed figures. I mean, he, he's been probably as good a handicap horse on the Maryland circuit as there's been uh, in the last five, 10 years, maybe longer. Comes off a long layoff, which I don't see many long layoff lines in his um, history, but he raced in February doesn't come back till November and kind of runs like poop. He made a wide move and then flattened out the top. It looked like he was going to get there. He, he went wide uh, on the turn. He was like coming from six or something like that. Made a wide move, late turn, swung out. It's like, all right, here he comes. And then he just like stopped running and comes in last or second last by 15, 20 lengths. My question uh, to you, GQ, and we know you're a little biased here. So listeners, whatever GQ says, side a little against Cordmaker because he's going to oppose it in favor of Cordmaker. But in your honest opinion, taking your heart out of it, just your head, is Cordmaker basically done, or did he just need that last race, and that was more of either a prep or, or just getting him ready for a, a winter campaign? I would uh, lean toward the former. I actually think he's not maybe not done, but uh, just just knowing Rodney Jenkins, he. You know, he was, old, he was an old steeplechase rider who turned trainer. And he's, uh, I don't even know if he, he, he trains for anyone other than Hillwood Stable, who is uh, owned by this uh, woman, uh, Ellen Charles, who she, I have no idea where she got her money, but she has deep pockets. And 
um, she she purchased Cord Maker. That was the first. The reason why I fell in love with Cord Maker was because I knew nothing. I went to, out to the, to the Timonium yearling sale, just looking at horse flesh, trying to figure out how people, you know, pick horses. And I saw Cord Maker, and he was just like an Adonis as a yearling <laughs> compared to other ones. So, so I'm there like, wow, that 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 would be my pick. And then, uh, you know. Moonium auctions rarely get uh, six-figure yearling prices, and she paid a uh, buck fifty uh, for him. Uh, so, uh, and so that's why I followed him. He's my horse cars. But no, to to your point, I don't think Rodney sends sends his horses out and his good horses out just for the daring. You know, um, he 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 trains them well. He trains them up the race is not that you know uh, that last race maybe the last race was supposed to be a freshener for today or i'm sorry saturday's race but uh just the way he ran something had to have gone amiss um you know he, he continued to uh, uh he only put in one additional work i mean he was throwing bullets leading up to the race coming off the layoff you know that, that last race it, is a big question mark i don't know maybe i mean victor Carrasco. you know i think no other jock has ever ridden him up until that last race i know rodney's a very loyal and maybe uh richard Mont Mont monterey uh has been riding him in the morning um who knows but i i would not uh feel comfortable backing my horse crush board maker in this race all right, because now you're finally getting a price on Cord Maker. Yeah. <laughs> time the last time he was above three to one was five to one. He won the uh, same race last year. So, but he was in better form at that time. And also, no, I can understand. I'm actually going to go a little outside the box here. Let, let's just talk about one or two horses first. But the one Our Nation on Parade won the Maryland Million Classic. So, for those who remember, we actually did a show if you were listening on Maryland Million Weekend. And Our Nation on Parade ran in the classics like the big race and one for fun was so much the best there I actually stumbled out of the gate uh had a wide trip and still won for fun so um that that horse rates a good shot here we just talked about jamie ness jamie ness off the claim what does he do he improves him by five lengths and uh i can't like go strongly go against the one our nation on parade but the problem is you're not going to get any price on our nation on parade so the horse that i'm actually going to try and um catch something with is the six thomas shelby horse who's been around the block before uh there's a 30 second start will be and it's important to note i'm pretty sure riding with biden the four will scratch because he rode or ran at parks yesterday which was wednesday so well i guess technically he can come back in three days i can't imagine he will so maybe it was like norm cash he, he would but uh, not not uh, Rob Reed, I don't think so. I'm assuming the five is scratched. If the five is not scratched for some reason, then ignore my pick. But with the five out, there really isn't much other speed in this race. I mean, someone could go. Even our nation on parade could go if he breaks a little better. And that would probably be the next speed in the race. Cord makers sometimes can show speed. But uh, I think Thomas Shelby, not only is he only speed in the race, but I actually like the horse. Last race at Park's gotten a huge duel with Biden with Biden. And you can just look at the PPs. Look where Ryan and Biden finished. Ten lengths back. Now, Thomas Shelby quit worse, but 
They both quit. They killed each other. Who cares? So they stopped 10 lens or 22 lens. They stopped riding Thomas Shelby. You know, they quit. They quit. So um, I would major, major upgrade and or excuse the last race. Could have the lead to himself here. Now, Sheldon Russell, um, as you mentioned, uh, I think off the air, got hurt uh, a couple days ago. So I don't know if he's back riding. He's not riding on Thanksgiving. I don't know if you know the extent. I didn't look it up, but he might get a different jockey. But I'm not that worried about Obviously, I'd love to have Sheldon. He's as good as he gets there, but I'm sure they'll get someone capable if he's not able to ride. So I'm going to go Thomas Shelby. Hopefully he wires this field. Um, I, I respect our nation on parade. I don't really have too many knocks on the other horses. The nine treasure trove is a horse that we talked about speaking about Norm Cash. Or what did we say his name was? Lynn. Lynn, Lynn well, Cash. That's his middle name, I believe. All right. We'll call him that so we sound like we're uh we're in the in the know. You know in the know in the club there. Our so. friend. Lynn Cash. Exactly. Like our friend Brandon. <laughs> like our Butterfly. friend Brandon uh, Butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh Lynn Cash, buddy Lynn. Uh with the horse treasure trope. We covered Aqueduct on November 12th. And I actually thought that horse had a good shot in that race because it doesn't say it, but on November 4th, Treasure Trove, the nine broke about five or six lengths slow from the gate. Oh, it does say hesitate, rush, steady, whatever. But I mean literally spotted the be on six lengths. So I upgrade that race big time. But I was worried because there's a horse who has a history of getting out of the gate slow. Well, guess what? Last time at Aqueduct, I remember watching the race. I, I was talking to a person next to me. I said, wow, the three got out of the gate. That's like half the battle. I feel really good now. And then ran like crap, basically. Um, didn't make a move on the turn, so at least showed some life and then quit. So I don't know what happened last race. Uh, it was a little, I mean, a mile and three sixteenths isn't that much longer. And he quit so early that I can't say that was the reason. You know, maybe he didn't like the track. I'm, I'm reaching now, but you know what? I, for 20 to 1 or close to it, I can excuse that race if I like this race two back. So I don't love the nine. I'm really leaning on the six, and the one is the favorite that I'm worried about. Uh, but the nine would be like a, a stab in the dark. And those are the three horses I mostly have interest in here, but the six is going to be my key. And I did see Armando R. Scratch today, Thursday. So I assume that means he is running on uh, on Saturday if you like Armando R. The seven, I don't really particularly care for the horse. He can win, but not not my cup of tea there. If it was on the turf with Caramanos, then I'd have to bet him because he's like, you know, the greatest turf rider since uh, Jean-Luc Samin, but, <laughs> which he might be. But anyway. Which, speaking of turf, I'm not sure you're in the know, uh, but Laurel concluded their turf season um, on Monday. So uh, right. no more I, turf. Yeah, I mentioned I didn't know, so uh, you're jumping in a little later, but I appreciate it. So they are done with the turf, which I thought so, but I wasn't sure. So thank you. So you're you're looking for my comment? Yeah, usually when I pause, that's like a sign. <laughs> now you go, but next time I'll point. You know, it's funny. I did um I did a color commentary for a basketball game last year when I was out of coaching. I was asked to do it because they must have been really desperate. So the play-by-play guy is actually a guy who works for the local. Um, radio station here. Maybe you heard of it because it's kind of national in a way, but uh, WFAN 660 Sports Radio in New York, or I don't even know what their call letters are now. It's like the home of Mike and the Mad Dog, if you ever heard of them. So it's like, I think it might be the first full-time sports talk show and uh, radio show or station, full-time station in the country back in like the late 80s. They started Susan Waldman, who's a Yankee color commentator on the radio, the much maligned commentator, whose life I saved, by the way. I saved Susan Waldman's life. That's a story. I don't know if I should tell it because we're in a hurry, but so I'll tell it real quick. So I was at the um, baseball awards dinner. It had to be about 15 years ago. My brother was in baseball. He was involved in baseball. So I got a, a few little perks from him. 
So he took me to the awards dinner in uh, the city. It was like at a married or something in the city. And there's like where they hand out the MVP award and this and that. So I'm in the atrium and he knows Susan Waldman very well because he actually worked my brother at WFAM when Susan Waldman worked there. And they struck up a friendship. And my brother was in New York baseball and Susan Waldman's in New York baseball. So they knew each other really well. Yada, yada, yada. He introduces me. Then he goes off to talk to the 80 people he knows. So I'm talking to her for a few minutes. She was very nice. And we're standing on, it's like the second floor of the hotel, but it's like a big atrium almost, if that's the right word. But we're at like a ledge where it's like a railing, like a three or four foot railing. And then there's like a drop to the, the bottom. There's like an empty middle. So you can, if you fall down, you fall like 12 feet or maybe it was more, 15, 20 feet. So all of a sudden, it's pretty crowded. Tim Lincecum and Albert Pujols come off the elevator together and we're not that far away. And this is where anyone can go before you go in the ballroom where they actually give out the awards. You need a ticket for that. But this, anyone's there. So you got all these like people there looking for autographs, et cetera. And when they came down and opened the elevator door, it was like a mad rush. It was like a, a soccer game in Europe where they're storming the field. And I'm getting bumped. Susan Wallman's getting bumped. We're like hitting into this railing. I'm, I'm embellishing a little bit that I saved her life. But yeah, it was a little scary for a second. So um, I, I held on to Susan Wallman there. So she can thank me. Yankee fans might not thank me because I don't think they love her. But I think she does a good job. Anyway, that's off on a tangent. So and I was on the end tangent telling a story when I got to that tangent. The good thing is I forgot my first story. So we can go back to the horses. And uh, <laughs> thank you to anyone you um, you like it. Because I mentioned the six yeah. Thomas Shelby, Our Nation on Parade, Treasure Trove. I mean, I know you spoke about Cordmaker. Is there anyone else? And, well, and you weren't on Cordmaker here. Is there anyone you're yeah, on or that you don't yeah, like? I was, looking, I was looking at everybody else and everybody else kind of like, you know, come off the pace type. So um, I'll I'll make Thomas Shelby back up like, like a city dump truck in the stretch by saying, you know, Sheldon will get him out on top and he'll, he'll go the distance. I mean, he's never been out of the exact end. Three starts going uh, uh, this distance. And without having any real pace pressure, I, I would assume that uh, Rodriguez on the Lawn Nation on Parade will apply some pressure, if not cord maker. Um, so it won't be that easy. Uh, you know, looking at everybody else, you know, the one that kind of, you know, is this horse just uh, a rising star or uh, but the, the three horse, American Bureau? I mean, ever since Le uh, Laura Lee Glazier has been given uh, a leg up on this horse, so the horse has really blossomed. Uh, been doing its thing on the turf, uh, switched to dirt, and got even better results. Yeah, the waters are deeper today, but, um, you know, if, if a, a four-year-old gelding at American Pharaoh by a Dagliadoro dam, should run all day so the price isn't that attractive at nine to two but uh that that's one that i would uh, maybe also put on my ticket the three american bureau uh, with uh thomas shelby all right in my uh nine treasure trove ran against american bureau lost by about seven lands last time but again treasure trove really stumbled out of the gate uh or not stumbled just didn't get out of the gate that race so um, but possibly again, but for 21, I'm okay with that. So, all right. So that's, uh, that's race eight. I'm on the six. I think the one might be tough picking up some weight and the nine would be my quote long shot. And GQ is, uh, is tagging Pretty along great. with me on the six and he's going to go with the three, uh, American Euro. If you just like to hear picks, although I hate just giving out picks because I don't want people to bet their money 
because I tell them a horse I like, but again, we'd rather just educate on what we're looking for. Like you're talking about the older versus younger, et cetera, things like that. All right. Anyway, let's go into the last leg. So people can have a relatively short show here on Thanksgiving, busy weekend. And the last race, I kind of think uh, the favorite on the outside, although not by a lot. Oh, the last race, by the way, is a $30,000 mating claimer, uh, five and a half furlongs. And it kind of makes me want to own a mating claiming filly because it doesn't look like it's going to take that good of a horse to win this race. But um, the horse that I prefer is on the outside. It's a favorite, nothing fancy here. Um, and the seven horse backstreet affair. This horse who was running in Kentucky, Del Mar, just, I think, against some better horses, even though it was the same level, but I think they were better. Um, two back, Mitch Morrell fell off the horse near the wire, probably about 10 steps from the wire, and the horse was not going to change spots. He was, uh, She was finishing third. She was actually slightly gaining on second, so it might have been like a length and a half behind second. And I think the second-place horse got like a 52 or 53 buyer, so... Backstreet Affair basically had, and the horse kept running, so didn't slow down, and so threw the jock um, for a few steps to the wire. And, and basically, you can look at that as like a 50-ish buyer if you're a buyer person, two back. So the question is, what happened last race? Well, coming off a consecutive, what I would call 50 buyers, was 10 to 1 in the race, so probably a tougher field than this because you're coming off 50 buyers in this race. You're, you're the heavy favorite, and he was only, or she was only 10 to 1. So I'm thinking that last race at Keeneland was definitely tough, tougher. She broke in at the start and was a little tight on the back stretch. She was already in the back of the pack at that point. I think that when she broke in and kind of bumped the horse to her inside, I think that hurt her a little because it didn't allow her to get close to the lead. And again, she was tight on the back stretch. So she, she was already like seventh by that point or something like that, or eighth, ninth, whatever. But it really hurt her even more. Nothing like awful with the trouble, but being at Keeneland, where I don't think it's that easy to make up a lot of ground, you're probably not coming from last. I think that was the end of it for her. And the jockey probably saw, Giroux probably saw. She wasn't winning, kind of just didn't really persevere. Uh, so to me, I, I can toss that last race. And I think the seven's kind of a standout here. So I hate to single a, a short price, uh, especially in the last leg of the sequence. But I, I think that's a safe single to me. There are some horses with question marks. Um, I'll just go over one other horse and I'll let you take over. That's a six, Crone who uh, I joked Julie Crone to you before. I think that's how you spell Julie Crone's name, right? Yes, it is. So I, I don't know if uh, the horse is named after her or not. I don't know the backstory, but the one thing I will say is it's not in the PPs for the six Crone, but last, I don't know how this did not make the charts. This is one of the worst, most egregious chart mistakes I've seen. The horse stood in the gate for five lengths. Didn't get out, just didn't leave. On her own, you know, on her own. So it should say that in the chart. It's embarrassing. It doesn't. The only problem is the horse did no running. I don't know if this horse can run. Maybe the horse can't run. But bear in mind, you're getting an edge, listening, hopefully, that you know and a lot of the other people betting it don't know that this horse just walked out of the gate. Now, maybe the horse doesn't want to break and you have the same situation. It can happen again when the horse doesn't leave the gate and has no chance here. I assume they're putting the blinkers on, hoping that changes. But who the heck knows? So if I was going with the second horse, just because... I think there'll be a little value, although six to one is kind of shorter than I anticipated. I thought maybe I get eight or ten to one, but it's such a weak field. I guess I can't. So the six would be my other horse if I went too deep. So if I single Steinbeck, I might go six, seven here. If I use a couple of horses in that Steinbeck race and don't single him, then I'd probably single the seven here. And that's like my two dilemmas on what to do. And I usually lean to the price. So I'll probably end up singling Steinbeck and maybe using the six, seven here and then pressing having the seven extra. But I really expect the seven to win. I'll ask you about the three horse because 
you don't really have to watch replays or, or see much here uh, about the three. It's just a handicapping dilemma that people get into. And the fact that the trainer, Rich Silliman or Rick Silliman, whatever he calls himself, uh, if I'm pronouncing it right, is, is red hot. Five for 16 uh, in the money, even more. So he's red hot. So maybe the three all worked out has a good chance here. But this is who is running competitively against maiden special weight, which are better than these. And this is a weak field for a maiden 30. So probably against much better than these. Drops to maiden 40 in April. And I thought ran like poop. Just no, it wasn't like it was in a speed door or anything. Sat a little off the pace. It wasn't a fast pace. I just thought ran like poop. Has been off since April. So obviously something must have gone wrong. Comes back with some decent workouts, if you believe the workouts. And now is dropping against very weak horses. So this is a horse I'm definitely worried about. But you can talk either about this horse or in general. When you see something like this, a horse running against better, has one like really bad race, layoff, comes back against cheaper in a really weak field. Do you say, well, I mean, if this horse runs like she did, then she's just, I mean, either better than these, maybe the seven's the only one that can compete. Or are you like, something's wrong. I'm assuming they could have had a waiver claiming tag here and wipe the tag, meaning that the three, they could have protected here and not run for a tag. But instead, they put for a tag. I doubt anyone will claim the horse for 30000 so probably is meaningless, but they uh, they did not put up for the tag. So um, that might not be a great sign. But like I said, I don't think anyone's taking the horse, so they're probably not worried about that. Anyway, GQ, I spoke for a long time. How do you approach a horse like this? What's your your thoughts on that? Well, I'm like reading between the lines like you're you're attempting to do. And I think for one, because it's maiden 30 and the last time the horse had run back in April was maiden 40, um, to qualify for that waiver, the horse has to come back at that level or higher. So, uh, you know, it would have to be a maiden 40 that they'd be able to wait wave the tag so the horse is not eligible to to have the waiver in so they have to offer the horse for 30 okay thank you yeah my issue is okay something obviously you know was off in that last race the horse didn't see a an official workout until beginning of september so then they start bringing the horse back as if you know uh you know a redo, you know, uh, start the career over. What I don't like about the work tab is that it, it's not consistent. There's too many gaps in in the works. You know, the horse the horse worked September 9th. Okay, eight days later. Okay, cool. September 17th. Eh, not eight days later. Okay, 13 days later. Okay, that's fine. Another 13 days later, October 11th. Oh, nope, didn't come back on the track until uh, 20 days later and then oh another 20 days i that's not making the horse fit for a race in my opinion you're smiling and you're gonna shoot, i'm only smiling because in my opinion no 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 i listen i agree with everything you just said here's why i'm kind of smirking this is laurel and it could be anywhere but especially laurel how do we know the horse didn't work how do we know horses that run 48 didn't run 46 like we've seen? It's oh, just crazy, I, I, right? I could care less if it said 52 versus 48. No, I'm saying like I, they might even yeah. just miss the work. I, I wouldn't right. put it by them. So, um, I, but I no, agree it, with you. If that's the case, it, I totally agree with you. This isn't Aqueduct or Belmont when there's 200 horses working on a given morning. I, again, I don't want to get in trouble, so I won't say anything else. But anyway, go no, ahead. Your point, your point well taken. 
I'm just going But if that's accurate and he, right. he um she skipped those words, then I agree everything you said. So if you believe in the works and um you're you're absolutely so, right. right. And so, and I know so I asked you that, that these are words I would play against, but go ahead. Yeah, so for that reason I won't I won't be using the, this horse. You know, it's one of those cases where I if the horse is, is better than this poor <laughs> assembly of uh fillies in this race. Uh, best of a poor lot, as my dad used to say. Um, you know, so be it, but not with my money. Uh, and so, I, go ahead. I almost see that bullet as a negative because to me, it's like in a claiming race, I almost don't want bullet workouts because if the horse running a bullet workout, why why aren't they trying made inspection? Why are they giving up on the horse? So to me, it's almost like they just like you never know in a workout how amped up is a horse. Are they really pushing the horse? You know, I don't want to say are they drugging up the horse, something like that. But really, are they are they gearing him up for the workout, or is it just like a, a regular? Work? So I have a feeling they just gear a horse up for a workout to get a bullet or really good time, so people aren't work, walking, uh, watching the workout. I don't know how many trainers actually watch every workout. So I mean, you can't watch everything. So they see, oh, bullet work, yeah, it looks good, you know, and, and just to get someone to take uh, a flyer on the horse to get rid of it. So to me, that's a negative, believe it or not. But I can listen. This horse can definitely win. So if you like the three. I don't want to talk you off of it out there, but there's a horse that I, I would play against personally. Well, and and to add the fact that you know, pointing out the bullet, I mean that you know it's one of seventeen. One, there's other sixteen horses could be five thousand dollar claimers. Again, and and this is where people differ on opinion on workouts. What? defines handily versus breezing. I think on the West Coast, they say handily is like in hand. You know, the horse is not being asked. On the East Coast, breezing is looked at as that way, where handily is being asked. And in this particular case, I mean, I know, but Laurel, I would say 90 to 95% of the workouts are breezing. This one says handily, which tells me the horse was being asked in order to get that bullet. So maybe, you know, leading up to, you know, the, the, the workout was what, four days, five days away. Maybe they were just saying, okay, it's going to be showtime, you know, get, get this horse's mind on running fast early. So that, you know, hence the bullet. So with all that said, I think we, we threw out a yep. lot of things that could make uh, people's heads spin. <laughs> Absolutely. But so yeah. Uh, bottom line, we're against the horse. Yes. And, and I'm done with the race. Personally, the seven backstreet affair, I think is going to win this race. I, I, I don't want to say it's not close, but these are cheaper mating claimers. Anything can happen, I guess, but well, not, it, I, oh, go ahead. can I say something? Other yeah, than I was going to throw back to you. I was finished. Like, I said, I'm seven and then six would be out of the horse and I don't want anyone else. Go for it. You can wrap it up. I, you know, I, can, I agree with you on the seven. Here's the thought on uh, the uh, six crone. Thanks for mentioning it. Cause I didn't watch the replay. Here's the thing. Okay. Even though it was only a six horse field, you know, the horse was bet uh, three to one. You know, Mark Schumann is, is a, a capable local Maryland trainer. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't, his horses don't take a lot of money usually. Hmm. And I usually don't like the back, you know, first timers who are in for a tag regardless. You know, that's just my, my opinion. But the horse took money. Plus, Schumann has, you know, positive ROI and 21% in horses second races you know 
because the horse stood in the gate, uh, Sedanio comes back and rides the horse for Schumann, maybe suggested I uh, throw blinkers on the horse. I, I think the horse is a use, you know, uh, if, if you want to use more than, than the seven in here. And I'll, I'll just throw out some food for thought on uh, two other horses. You know, the five, Art I something, you know, uh, Chucky Lawrence, a.k.a. his uh, given name is James Lawrence. He is, you know, up at Fairhill. Horses usually train on turf and synthetic, so he his horses typically are turf horses. I don't think Bunny's Mineshaft screams turf, even though there is, you know, the breeding the number says it is. But I think this horse can show some some early speed uh, getting on the dirt and can be a player. Again, price isn't that attractive. But again, if you want an excuse to use more than one horse. And then I'll also um, throw out the four um, Rosina, another another one destined for turf, but even more so. Great notion out of a not for love. Great notion and not for love are probably two of the top Maryland sires. They were dirt horses. You know, they're not. They're they're no scat daddy uh, sires. Um, why they thought this horse should run on the turf? Maybe because he was slow as shit on dirt. <laughs> you know, um, but uh, you know. 57, eight-year-old Alberto Delgado, uh, usually on the dirt. Gosh, he's 0 for 26. Uh, I can't even imagine using this horse, but I thought it was worth mentioning the fact that the breeding is not turf breeding, it's dirt breeding. And uh, Delgado typically gets horses out of the gate, which he didn't uh, in, in five and a half sprints on the turf. Uh, but that's just because I wanted to mention some horses. Yeah, and that four just has no... No early speed. The five at least has speed, but I don't really like. Yeah. I think they want their money back in the five hundred thousand dollar purchase and uh, giving mm -hmm. up already it just hasn't shown anything. But let's add speed and race where you know can go to the front maybe if the three is not uh, primed. And uh, you know I can see the five doing something. I, I don't really like them, but I, I wouldn't like laugh at you if you bet the five here. So, um, all right. So that pretty much I think wraps it up. You got uh, any final words of wisdom? No, I just want to move on with Thanksgiving. I'm I'm getting hungry already. It's not even it's barely noon, and I'm not eating until about four o'clock. <laughs> so, oh, just I may have uh, mentioned this in past years, but I, you know, I grew up eating normal dinner around six o'clock because that's when my dad would get home from work. Uh, Thanksgiving was kind of normal, and our Sunday dinners were also later, five o'clock. You know. And then I found out through my friends growing up that a lot of their families, they, they would start Thanksgiving dinner, you know, early, one, two, three o'clock. And then not until I, I became astute and, and realized why my family waited until five, six o'clock was because my grandfather and great uncle would go to Bowie uh, for the Thanksgiving <laughs> Day races and we'd have to wait for them to get back from the track. So, yes, I'm. I have the horse racing degenerate bloodlines. I'm fifth generation. So that's my, that's always my Thanksgiving story. So there you have it. And we will leave it at that. So if you're listening on Thanksgiving, have a great Thanksgiving. If you're listening over the weekend, we appreciate it. 
Good luck at the races this weekend, and we'll speak to you hopefully next week. Ta-ta.